and I we were just talking about what we're going to cover in the show and we started talking about oh wait a minute it's PSG at home and I got genuine butterflies in my stomach this is we're recording this on the Monday night a week a week and a day before that Paris Saint-Germain game and I'm already excited yeah well we'll get to that one first victory for United again uh, overcoming the blip that was Burnley yeah Back to the W Hotel. We checked out for a couple of nights. <laughs> Moved in next door. Yeah, to the D Hotel. Doesn't have the same ring to it, nope. does it? Nope. It has a very different, very specific ring to it. So this this wasn't... I mean, this, this was a hard-fought game, a narrow victory for United, won one in the details. This was difficult. I mean, we said, I think, in our preview last week that this was going to be a tricky one. It, it didn't feel like... It was going to be a tricky one after 15 minutes or so, did it? And then, then suddenly Leicester clawed their way back into the game and United never really exerted dominance again. So it's interesting because we did say it was going to be a tricky game, but I don't want to speak for you, Ed, but that's not the way in which I thought it was going to be tricky. I thought Leicester might be tricky. They've obviously not conceded many. I think that was the thrust of what we said on the preview. But I, I think I thought maybe they would be difficult to break down. They'd be well-organised defensively, so some of our probing wouldn't work. But actually, even though we had more possession than Leicester, it felt like the balance of play for much of that game was with them. I mean, I suppose some of that is coloured by the fact that we did go ahead after 11 minutes thanks to an absolutely sumptuous goal. Oh, it was a beauty, but before we get on to the beauty, let's talk about the horror which came just a few minutes before Marcus Rashford missing a very good headed chance from not very far out. And all right, let's um, let's have a let's have a little quiz. Have you looked up the xG of that chance, Ed? I have not. Uh, right. But well, give it I'm, give it a guess. Give it your best guess. I'm going to say it was somewhere near 0.5. That's very very good. 0.53. That chance. Yeah, he should have put it away. Well, point um, five just, says just, you, you give him ten of those and he's going to score five of them and not. Yeah. Uh, but still, uh, quality of striker, because, of course, XG takes into account all the strikers as well as the good ones. So yeah. uh, Marcus is quality and form. You'd expect him to put him away, put that away. And, of course, those are the kind of chances he's missed before. And Oli Solskjaer talked about it before the game, saying he wanted... Um, Rashford and Martial to get more tap-ins and to stop scoring just, well, not stop scoring, but not just score the worldies. Yep, he said scruffy goals, didn't he? Yeah, Rashford didn't listen, did he? Because he, he missed the tap-in and scored a bloody worldie. <laughs> I mean, Paul Pogba! Paul Labiel Pogba! Yeah, Watching. but I, I, I mean, all right, the pass was good, but let's talk about Pogba's first touch because he's he's kind of... He's kind of fluffed that a little bit. He didn't trap it properly, did it? But uh, he set himself for an absolutely beautiful through ball, right? Um, yeah, so he's it's bounced up a little bit, but uh, to hit that weighted, what do you call that? Pass, lob, lob, pass. It, it wasn't even a chip. It was a. It was kind of beautifully arced topspin forehand. <laughs> yes, through to Marcus Rashford, who took it one time, first time control and touch and in the same movement lashed it in uh, just lovely all round absolutely exquisite and at that point we did think maybe this was on and and you have to say that Puel's Leicester certainly didn't crumble under the pressure of that and I think we had about 
this is a bit impressionistic, but I'd say we had probably about another 10 minutes or so where we were kind of on top. But by the end of the second half, Leicester had really grown into it. And certainly the beginning of the second half, that, that continued in that fashion. Now, I could be wrong, but David De Gea didn't make any spectacular saves in this game, did he? He made. I, I seem to remember in the second half he made a very good one. Yeah. Was that um, the one from the free kick, maybe? Where from he the free kick, it yeah. Over? It was heading in the top corner and uh, it didn't even seem that good, to be honest. It's just routine. Yeah, that's that was what I thought. Um, it, it, but, 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 when, then... but when when the striker, you know, sticks one in the top bins and David just pats it away like he's... Uh, doesn't, you know, he's not bothered about it. There you go. Yeah, positioning, um, as they say. The, the the There were a couple of chances which really were, unlike the Spurs game, a couple of chances which really should have been put either side of De Gea and weren't. There was that one that Vardy hit on the spin, and if it's like either side of De Gea, it's so close that even De Gea probably doesn't save it, but it really was straight at him in the middle of the goal. And there was another one late on like that, I think. Yeah, I mean, Vardy was pretty frustrated with himself after that, uh, understandably. So he's never really quite recovered the same form as he had during Leicester's title win, has he? He's scored a lot of goals since Leicester's title win, to be fair. He has, but yeah, it's not it's not exactly the same. And I guess uh, Leicester have had a little trouble scoring goals this season. They don't take a lot of shots. I mean, United don't take a lot of shots, but we've taken a lot more shots than they have this season. We do uh, take a lot of shots now. Like yeah, we, didn't take, didn't. we didn't take a lot of shots. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been difficult for Leicester. And this is one of the reasons why Poole's under pressure. I mean, given their transfer and wage budget, they're about where they should be, about mid-table. And, and, you know, he's not doing a bad job. They win some, they lose some. They've had some good wins this season over City and Chelsea, as we noted, and draw with Liverpool last week, and, and they gave United a real game here. And, and there wasn't a lot of difference, honestly, between this game in which United won and last week's game in which they got a draw with Liverpool, you know, just just in the details. So it is the style that has, has him under pressure. And, and they never really, for all their, um, the, the sort of good play they had in United's half, they didn't create loads of chances. And they didn't create enough big chances, and they they oh, they definitely look very functional. It's, I guess it's a little bit of how they played through midfield with Indidi and Mendy and Madison, but it also allowed them to get a real foothold in the game because those three grafted an awful lot, didn't they? Yeah, I mean the 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 big difference between the Liverpool game and the and our game was just the paucity of chances that Liverpool created because both both teams in in the United game had like decent numbers xG wise and Liverpool was like around half wasn't it for their their performance I, I guess that was the the big difference really we were we were just better than Liverpool were um in the two relative games but yeah you're right it was um there were some fine performances on on the Leicester side and <laughs> I don't know, in a way, you can definitely say like the, the initial incredible bump of spectacular performances has definitely died off, but it was always going to. And it's an absolutely massive result because we're, we're now, when you go to Google and look at the Premier League, you don't have to click the little arrow to expand it to see us. No. Um, so There's that tweet that's been doing the rounds, you know, United sack Mourinho sixth. <laughs> Rashford back in the team six, Pogba release six, and all that nonsense. Uh, yep. Well, not not true anymore, is it, mate? 
No, fifth. we are. We're fifth, baby. <laughs> Could be in the top four by the end of the week, depending on other results. So when um, when Mourinho was sacked, um, Manchester United had 20... 11 points behind. Yeah, they had. They, they were eleven points behind fourth, but but even Arsenal, they were eight points behind Arsenal, um, and had a zero goal difference compared to Arsenal's plus fourteen goal difference, and now. Uh, United have plus 14 goal difference and are one point ahead of Arsenal uh, who have plus 15 goal difference. So they've made up um, 13 of the 14 goal difference and all of the points plus one on the team above them at that yeah. point. I mean, and, it's remarkable and, and that's what you get when you win nine games out of ten. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, you're now two points off the top four. And OK, so Higuain hit the ground running for Chelsea against the, the team. After I trashed you... him last week or maybe the week before, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but, you know, listen, let's see, let's, see, let's see how he does against teams other than Huddersfield. I mean, I I, I don't know, I, I was I was genuinely a bit surprised when you trashed him because I'd, I'd heard mostly positive stuff about him. But I think you mostly trashed him based on this season, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, he's not had a good season with Milan. Milan, like... He's a proven goal scorer over the years. And Chelsea do create a lot of good chances. So if you look at Morata's shot map and the ones he missed, and if Higuain gets in the same positions, which isn't necessarily true that he will do, but if he did, you'd imagine he'd score more goals. Um, but uh, he, he's definitely a player on the slide, but a good player. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see where he gets to. Yeah, we will. And we'll see where we get to. I, I, I wonder whether... Uh, there was a couple of things about that Leicester game. I mean, I said this after Burnley as well, but I, I do think one of the big reasons for United's underperformance, if you look, basically we've played really well every time Solskjaer's played what you would say is his first team. Um, but this this game, he definitely didn't play his first team in that Alexis Sanchez played. And Alexis Sanchez is just bad at football now. You know, yeah, I did uh, want to pick out a few there the players in this game because there, there were some perhaps uh, different lights and norm, some of the normal lights starred as well, but some different lights. So Sanchez had a really bad game. He, he just couldn't get into it and he was pretty ineffective throughout. Um, uh, I'm not sure that Lingard had a great game either, um, which, you know, I, I, I'm glad to see him back in the side and he's become a very important player for Oli, Oli's side but not quite as dynamic, not as penetrative as he has been. I mean, obviously, Marcus got the goal and Pogba's provided the beautiful assist. I thought Pogba had a very good game all round. That uh, bit Matt- in the, can I just say, before you carry on, in the second half, there was a break and I was laughing out loud watching it because Pogba turned away from a Leicester player, <laughs> giving himself half a yard of space, and then just started running, not looking like he was exerting a vast amount of effort, and within a split second, United had the ball deep into Leicester territory mm. and there were Leicester players just bouncing off Pogba. Right, right near the end of the game. I mean, you know, talk about uh, how, I mean, so you'd imagine being able to lump it up to someone like Marco, uh, sorry, uh, Lukaku and relief pressure there or lumping it into the corner. Paul Pogba running with the ball and taking out four Leicester players and winning a foul. Exactly the same thing. I mean, absolutely vital. There's barely any midfielder in Europe uh, who is able to uh, 
uh, keep control of the ball under such immense pressure. It's uh, you know he's got all the technical skills, of course, but I think people don't um, talk about this one. He's just amazing in tight spaces. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree uh, more. Yeah, um, someone who's not quite as amazing in tight spaces <laughs> is <laughs> Nemanja Matic, um, uh, I was, who uh, didn't I was... have a bad game going forward. <laughs> But but no, honestly, I mean, and Didi and Mendy have given given him the run around the whole game. I mean, it's not like they won't they won't get you know high scores on who scored or whatever because you know they're there just to provide bodies in midfield um, and and ensure a strong base for Leicester, which is you know the way they play. Uh, but he he just couldn't get into the game as a result. And, you know, Herrera had a good game. Herrera back in the side, you know, showing how important he is to United now. Um, I did want to call out a couple of players because while eyeballing this game, I was like, oh, we could really do with better performances out of our fullback. I'm like, you know, I really yeah. want Shaw to do well and I want uh, I want Young to retire because, you know, he's great servant. He's done fine in fullback positions, but an upgrade definitely needed. Look at the numbers. Shaw's numbers are huge. Yeah, I mean, tackles, interceptions, and blocks. Three chances created, two of them big chances. Didn't put any crosses in, and maybe that's what I'm. I was mentally looking at. He's not getting to the byline and putting in uh, ball. But um, as a, an effective defensive and and attacking force, those numbers were really good. No, I had exactly the same experience because it was like, yes, this game's playing right into the hands of my agenda. I don't actually want that to happen, by the way. That was a joke, just to be clear. But then, like you, I looked at the numbers and was like, okay. And that's happened a few times lately with Luke Shaw. I think he got three key passes in the game against Burnley as well. So he's he's up there in terms of chance creation yeah. now. And I, I, I wonder, wonder whether I want... it's just, I'm um, sorry, you may be about to say this. I wonder I whether it's about... just cutting inside a lot. Yeah, and passing it to Pogba, who's shooting. And then he gets <laughs> yeah, that might be that. Billy gets um, key pass. Yeah, uh, we can look this up, actually. The uh, Actually, on uh, Scout, where I was playing with this week, since you mentioned it a couple of uh, pods in a row, I thought, OK, well, I'm going to sign up for a trial. Uh, they do the pass combinations, so... Uh, uh, but I didn't actually look at this one, so that was a completely pointless uh, little <laughs> aside. I'm, super, I'm super excited if you start signing up for Y Scout though, because that's oh, you just, there's that's a just hell of a lot of data in there, isn't it? Yeah, there really is. Um, that, that'll take this podcast data to a whole nother level. Um, well, I was uh, I, watching the under 15s last week, and you wouldn't <laughs> believe. <laughs> I wanted to make another point about, um, and it was a point about substitutions um, in this game because I thought they were kind of interesting and telling. So the Sanchez for Martial was super obvious and Martial made a massive difference immediately after hitting the pitch. I think it was a few seconds later we won a corner and it just, it was it was marked and noticeable. And of course, we we talked about this last week as a thing that was about to happen, but I don't believe it had been announced by the time we recorded. Maran Fellaini's gone and Martial signed another contract. So he's here till 2024 and that's all official, um, which is fantastic. But I mean, we did. Which is great news. And, and he didn't start. I imagine because he picked up that minor injury last yeah, week and yeah, this is pretty sensible with so many big games coming up. But then I thought actually taking Rashford off for Lukaku, I didn't like as a sub because I felt like the thing we need is to hold the ball up and relieve pressure. And the thing Lukaku's almost worst at in some ways is holding the ball up and receiving, relieving pressure. It, it tends to be that we start going long towards him almost immediately and we did in this game. And then it's just he's just not good at it. He's just not good at holding. Rashford's much better at holding the ball up 
in that he'll get the ball, beat a man, you know, run into the corner if he needs to, these kinds of things. He's, I, I don't know, I, I did not like that sub and I don't think it worked out great for us either. Mm. Yeah, well, as we've mentioned previously, it's going to be an interesting summer with Lukaku and yeah. exactly how he fits into whoever comes in as manager, whether it's Ollie and... Of course, he makes a better case for himself by the week oh. or somebody else. And and to me, this was not about even like Lukaku's future at United. It's about how you use him in the here and now. And there's lots of ways that you can use him that are effective and useful. But I really don't think bringing him on to try and ease pressure in the last few minutes of the game or last, you know, not not small number of minutes in the game, but like 15 or whatever it was. I, I I just thought that was kind of asking for trouble. And given given that we've hammered other managers for substitutions and stuff, I thought it was probably only fair. And then, of course, they brought on Phil Jones and the cameras, Sky cameras focused on him for like a minute and a half straight. And you're like, oh, God, oh, he's going to put one in his own net, isn't he? But he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. So well done. I was him. straight on the live betting, five on Phil Jones OG. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. It was a tenner. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, we that, that's definitely one where we scraped to win. But listen, a win's a win's a win's a win's a win's a win, and and it wasn't a good performance, but it wasn't absolutely abject by any stretch of the imagination. It's not ridiculous that we won that game. It was a little fortunate. Yeah, and uh, they you know shaded it on the XG. Leicester did but this was a really, really tight game. One of those games you need to win if you need to win the title, as <laughs> pundits would say. Anyway, we, that's a, you got anything else to say about Leicester? I think no, I'm out of stuff. Yeah, that's me, Dan. I, I, I was very, very, very happy at full time. Just because oh, Obviously, uh, if this game had been played under Paul Ince, United would have won bazillion nil. <laughs> Shall we talk about Paul Ince briefly? Do we have to, honestly? What a... We've probably got about 50 questions on him, but I'm asking the question. I'm asking the question. On a scale of naught to complete idiot, what is Paul Hintz? I mean, he genuinely said he'd be achieving the same results as Solskjaer at United. To to be fair, he shared the credit around. He said Brucey or Hughes would do the same thing too. I mean, I think I'll I'll give it to Brucey. I'm not giving it to Hughes. (laughs) I I think there's every chance that Steve Bruce could have engineered a glorious new manager bounce. Yeah. And look, I, I'm uh, I'm all up for mocking Ince, especially since he went to Liverpool and celebrated wildly <laughs> scoring against us. I've forgotten that, um, but uh, I don't think anyone really knew exactly how this would pan out. I guess Ed Woodward is sitting here telling us that he knew exactly how it would pan out. Mm-hmm. I remember when Ollie was appointed, me saying I wouldn't be surprised if United finished sort of somewhere mid- near mid table, and this wasn't. A commentary on Ollie's ability, just that it's very, 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 very hard to turn the turn the tide around when you've got a sinking ship, you know. And especially Appar- apparently, people, it's super easy. <laughs> apparently, it's super easy. But you know, my thinking was that uh, not only is that very difficult, but with a temporary manager, it's going to be difficult to yeah. um, motivate the players to to put in something extra. But uh, apparently, not. Ollie's done all the right things. Now, I still don't know, honestly. Uh, how much of this is the pressure valve being released versus you know Ollie has got something more than his his history at Molde in the Norwegian league suggests. But with each game, we've had ten now, and it's a you know it's a pretty good cohort of uh, 
of of uh, evidence, isn't it? We are getting a little bit more saying that United can win in various ways under Solskjaer. When you say is history at Molde, do you mean the fact that that's the only? I mean, apart from the terrible time at Cardiff, that's the only job he's had. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay, because he has yeah, done yeah. So most really of it, well at Molde. You know, he's done okay at Molde. I mean, he hasn't no, won a title for five years. So well, he, he wasn't they are in a the, small club. He but. wasn't in the job for all of that time. He's he's only been back in the job three and a half years, um, and and yeah, they haven't won the the title for five years. But he's got them from sixth when he came back to second twice in a row, hasn't he? So, I mean, listen, I may be excessively defensive about. I, I think Solskjaer. so. Yeah, <laughs> this is this yeah. this is possible, <laughs> but it is that those things are also true. Yeah, look, the the Premier League Norwegian people Gayen. I've probably I think completely... they've got a new sponsor, so it's not called okay. that anymore, I think. Okay, the, the, the Norwegian uh, Premier League is to the English Premier League what the Swedish chef is to a three-star Michelin restaurant, you know? It's bad, it's bad. So. But the, the, the only, the, that analogy do, works, except that uh, the sous chef still needs to be good at chopping vegetables? I don't know. Um, it's it's all relative, isn't it? Like to come second in the Norwegian League, you do still have to be better than all but one of the other Norwegian teams, don't you? And and like assuming the, but the assuming they haven't got a huge budget or whatever, it's still some anyway. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, 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 isn't he's, 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 yeah, he's dumb. He's a, he's a big dumb dummy, and also super mean to Alex Scott in a way that made you just want to rip your arms off so you had something to throw at him. Not for the first time, yeah. So I, I uh, I'm gonna have to call this one out. I see a lot of hate of Alex Scott on the uh, interwebs. Really? Uh, yeah, and it's like easily this is in the top just three pundits. Misogyny. Yeah. She's great. She's just a good pun- pundit. I'm gonna just go top pundit. five. Top five. That's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna go because I haven't thought about it. And top three was reactionary. I'm gonna use a U.S. political analogy. It's like. Those people who go, well, I didn't like Hillary Clinton, but it's not because she was a woman. I just don't like Elizabeth Warren either or Kamala Harris or any of the other 15 female Democratic potential nominees, you know? Uh, I don't like Alex Scott. It's not because she's a woman. I just don't like that female pundit, even though she's great. So I, I know what that's about. Anyway, this is an aside. <laughs> uh, we were talking about how bad Paul Lintz is. Remember when we did that? ex-pundits who are ex-Manchester United players who are now pundits. We didn't have ints on that list, did we? Because he wasn't really a pundit. He was just a failed manager at that point. Yeah, he'd be he'd be giving Peter Schmeichel a run for his money. Yeah. Peter Schmeichel was bottom of that list, by the way. I, I, I don't know. I think this is one that where Ince could genuinely win. <laughs> you had someone else bottom. You had someone below Schmeichel. I can't remember who it was now. But anyway, anyway, let's move on, shall we? Um, before we get to preview, I mean, okay, let's do the Fulham preview before we do the the Twitter questions. Fulham are absolutely staggeringly awful defensively. And if we don't put three past them at least, that's an absolute crime against football. The problem with this is, because of the PSG game, I wonder whether there's going to be heavy rotation and we're actually going to see a bit of a misfiring United attack because the problem with heavy, heavy rotation... I mean, I guess when we brought Sanchez and Lukaku in um, for the game, uh, oh, was it after... It was Arsenal, wasn't it? And they were all right in that game. So so maybe they'll be able to do something together. But I suspect they're both going to play in that game. 
Um, and it could be could be a bit of an issue, but honestly, it shouldn't be that much. We'll see. I don't. He's not going to make nine changes. Look, it's, it, yes, they're a bad team. Yes, there's PSG a few days later. Saturday, Tuesday, isn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's two games in a week. You expect that if you're in the Champions League, it's not going to be nine changes. It'll be three or four, just freshening up the players that need the freshening up most. I mean, but yeah, it, it will be. But the but the places the changes will be will be in those in those inflection points that have made the difference between good and bad performances recently, I suspect. That's yeah. that's my concern. It'd be interesting I? to see what happens with Pogba. He generally doesn't get a rest. I mean, you know, he's fit, isn't he? So perhaps he doesn't need it. Uh, although it's, it's interesting, I, I just wonder how fit this team really is, given how much they've been tailing off in the second half of games. And yep. they're playing this more intense level of football. Uh, more high tempo level level of football and uh, not being able to sustain it. So, yeah, thought for another day. But um, I wonder what they'll do with Pogba, Rashford, Martial, Matic could probably do with having a rest. I mean, I'm not his world's biggest Matic fan, obviously, but uh, he's going to play against. PSG, isn't he? And so will Herrera and so will Pogba. So, yeah. you know, one or two of them are going to get a rest. So we'll do a proper preview of PSG. I mean, we've we touched on the news, five-year contract from Anthony Martial, absolutely brilliant news. And Fellaini has actually gone to China. Um, I get very fed up with the counter-orthodoxy around Maron Fellaini. I think, understandably, because he was literally booed by... United's own fans at home, which is something that's kind of unacceptable, rightly, to vast swathes of United supporters. There's a kind of move to defend him against the tack, and 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 because he's like harassed on social media and stuff like that. And it was actually noticeable. It, it, the player, lots of players, said goodbye to Fellaini, and Fellaini kind of put a thing on Twitter, being like to everyone I've worked with and and often of course people leaving United will mention the fans and, and he didn't and I don't blame mm. him for that at all but he was rubbish yeah all he was. the time like he did some good things for United and made key contributions but basically all in all basically he was rubbish so so I wanted to ensure that I could back up my claims of basically he was rubbish because I saw the same thing People, uh, there was a lot of revisionism about Fellaini. Suddenly he was good, scored lots of important goals. And if you don't see that, you don't understand football. Not saying everyone had that view, but, you know, certain Manchester United correspondents of the local paper seem to have no. that view. No! Has, has Luckworth been on Big Marouan? Anyway. He's been bigging up Big Marouan, has he? So, so I, just, I just looked. Creativity, assist, total of five in five years uh, wow. expected assist of 0.04 per 90 uh, 0.04 expected assists per 90 and and uh you know he's brought in as a attacking player sort of <laughs> i'm not really sure what he was brought in as 22 goals in 178 games which is what, Flying one in, in for the... one in for... one in eight or something like that uh shots 1.5 per 90 expected goals per 90 0.23 uh, so it's and that's not okay. Attack. That's that's not. Bad it's okay, for but it's not an attacking midfielder. Averages no. about forty, you know, uh, completed passes a game. 
Key pass average at 0.9 per 90. That's not horrible, but not great. 80% pass completion, 64% in the final third. He's no number 10. Uh, defensive contribution, this is an interesting one. 0.2 shots blocked per 90. So he has to play five games before he blocks a shot. 2.2 tackles per 90. Um, pretty normal numbers, isn't it? That, that's his second touch. <laughs> 1.3 clearances per 90. Um, you know, and it's uh, labouring the point, but he wasn't much good at anything. He's not creative, he's not a passer, he's not a goal scorer, and he's not a defensive player. What was and, he? And I think that what this really comes down to is there are things that Marouan Fellaini is really good at, and they include chest control, which... It's no joke. He's the best I've ever seen with, with his chest. And also, um, he is absolutely incredible at putting it about a bit. Like, one of the best ever. If you could tell me that we could keep Marouane Fellaini for the next five years and we would exclusively use him in the last ten minutes of games, I'd be delighted. Because, you know, he scored nine match-winning goals, I think three in semi-finals, which is pretty incredible. So he has made important contributions in his time. But they almost all come from him being a battering ram. And for every one good thing he did, he did five bad things. Right. You didn't mention his elbows. Two very good elbows. Yeah. And I hate that. I really hate that. It's so cowardly, you know. Anyway, not just not a big fan and... and and I think you can you can say, yeah, he did these good things and he shouldn't have been booed and he was probably ridiculed too much. But I think you don't have to go to the other extreme and go, oh, yeah, and actually, you know, if everyone played like Fellaini, then they gave everything for the shirt and yada, 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 yada. I'm not convinced about that, you know. Anyway. Yeah, no, I think it, the pendulum swung back too far the other way. Anyway, should we get to some questions? Yeah, let's do it. Lucas underscore M United, friend of the show, you, says... Yeah, you, you pick a question from Lucas every week. Do you know that, Ed? That's well, good. It's, it's because I questioned his friend of the show status, <laughs> not, not clicking that he has been a friend of the show for the past <laughs> 10 years, uh, yeah. and now I'm overcompensating. Okay, anyway, good, good. So you should. That's right. That's Lucas right. underscore M United. Yeah. 10 years of Valencia, hope, hopefully uh, it's over this summer. How has his overall contribution been to United? So actually, this is one where I think perhaps people have gone too far the other way because, look, it's fair to criticise him for his contribution now. Well, Ollie's basically sacked him, hasn't he? Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's been missing for most of the squads now uh, and his performances last season weren't that good. Uh, and they weren't that good when he was in the team under uh, Mourinho. It's time for him to go, and he's out of contract in the summer, so I'm quite sure he will. But let's, uh, you know, he's he's played 300 games for United or so. He's been God. at the club an awful long time. Uh, he 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 had one wonderful season where he seemed to find Wayne Rooney's head with every cross he put in. And um, and in later times, he, he converted to a fullback with decent effect. Not great effect, but decent effect. So he's he's put a lot of shifts in for United. Wasn't quite the winger maybe we hoped he'd be, but not bad. I mean, he, he, has he been good at any time in the last five years? N- not great, no. I mean, I guess it, there were periods under Van Hal where he was all right, I suppose. I don't know. But you saw I, off all the competition at right back. 
Yeah, but I think that's I think he's he's in the kind of Jones and Smalling camp of just like there's no way he'd still be at United if we'd had a consistent manager for these last few years. Um but he was a really good winger for like a season, but then he was also quite a bad winger sometimes too. Um but that season where he found his mojo and he was just prepared to get his head down and run past everyone, that that was great. Yeah, and that's what he stopped doing. So the the biggest fault he found later in his career is that he became too timid, far too yeah. timid. Yeah. And and basically, I think overall, he's not a player that should have 300 games for United on his record. Should have been 130. And I, I don't know where that puts him in the all-time list, but I bet it puts him in the sort of top 25-ish. Yeah, it's pretty high. Um, but, you know, there's Chris Morling's got 300 appearances for United as well. So this has been a great time to be slightly below the expected level and get tons of appearances for United. Orlist says, Paul Lintz would make a better podcast. He would. It'd be the greatest podcast ever and he'd have Brucey and, and Husey on. I mean, they would definitely get more listeners than us. Well, yeah, they they could talk for an hour, perhaps an hour and a half. Uh, and get more listeners than, than us. And we, we don't talk any at all, do we? I would listen to a Mark Hughes and Steve Bruce podcast. I would be like that that show, I would just be, yeah, I'd be just waiting for Steve Bruce to speak mostly, I think. Leo Naylor Orchard says, do you see a solution to the Alexis and Lukaku problem? They're on two bigger wages to be moved on conventionally. <laughs> Great question yeah. that because because the that nobody unless Alexis Sanchez is prepared to take a massive pay cut or go to China those are his only two options. We're in the Rooney situation. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, it's it's really really difficult. Uh, I think if they weren't on huge wages or had shorter contracts, then it'd be easier for the club to move them on in the summer, even if it meant paying off some of the contract. And there would be a big temptation to do so, I imagine. But they're both on huge money. I mean, especially Alexis, no one is going to pay him the amount that we're paying him alongside all the bonuses. Whether it's 350 or 500 a week, it's insane for the level of performance that he's been putting in the last 18 months. China really is the only option unless he wants to take a pay cut or United want to pay out that contract. Lukaku is a different situation because he's he's young. I think he's bet much much better than Alexis. I'm sure he's on less money than Alexis. Um, when did we sign him? Was it? It was two summers ago, wasn't it? This is the end of his second season, so three years left to go on that deal. Um, and and you know you could you could see a you could see a deal being worked out there. I think if there was a club that really wanted him and were prepared to play a decent transfer fee. I can imagine United working out a deal on those wages. Um, yeah. Not, and not... look, and it really does depend on who comes in next as well. If it's Ollie, he just doesn't fit the style of football very well. I mean, he's got 27 goals in his first season for United. The beginning of this season, I was you know, fully predicting he'd score even more goals. So it's not like he's a bad player. He's got some faults, for sure, many of which we laid out before he even fully joined the club. Mm. And those haven't really improved that much during his time I think it's just the the style of fast pace let's move the ball really quickly let's play a high tempo football under Ollie doesn't suit him no no absolutely and doesn't I'm suit not, Juan Mata either I'm not sure way. and and we both love Juan Mata but he's yep. also out of contract and it's going to be hard to justify a new long-term deal for him in this type of football uh the 
the other person whose football I'm not sure would suit Romelu Lukaku would be uh, Mauricio Pochettino. I'm not seeing Mauricio Pochettino's football as particularly suitable for Lukaku either. And, and especially not if you're talking about a straight fight for centre forward between Lukaku and Marcus Rashford. I just don't, you know, obviously Lukaku scored loads more goals than Rashford in his career and has played centre forward a lot more times. But I just don't think that's even a decision at the moment. Yeah, Pochettino flips between one and two up front, doesn't he? Depending on whether he's playing That's three true. or four at the back, or but if um, he's but if he's going to play two up front, it's probably going to be Martial and Rashford, isn't it? In yeah. the way that it's yeah. it's Son is the second, isn't he up front? It's not Lorente and Kane playing together. So po- Pochettino, just a little diversion here. Uh, I, I read an awful lot of criticism of Pochettino after he was pretty negative after Spurs got dumped out of two competitions. We talked about this a little bit last week. He said that it's just for egos and uh, it's all about fourth. And, you know, I have some sympathy with him because if he's talking to his chairman, there's zero chance, I mean, less than zero chance that Daniel Levy trades off a minor cup competition for dropping out the top four. None sure. at all, right? And it's the only way the club moved forward. So, you know, he said it very inelegantly and took a lot of criticism. And I, you know, I am I'm not some huge Pochettino uh, super fan or anything like that. I, I imagine that he would do a very good job at United. Uh, but, you know, nine wins in ten says Ollie is doing a very good job at United. So, uh, but I just thought, I thought the uh, rewriting of Pochettino's performance at Spurs is is totally wrong, right? The, Spurs' wage budget is half United's, half, right? Not not 75% of it, half. And, and, and uh, you know, I don't know how you, like put that into to enough context when you talk about his performance level at Spurs. Yeah. They're, they're second in the table on half the wage budget. Uh, since he was appointed, United has spent £484 million net, fella, that's, that's net Mm-mm. spend, fella, um, to Spurs is £28 million net. Uh, it depends on the forex, whether you convert in euros or pounds, but, you know, it's a, a few fives of millions either <laughs> yeah. side, right? If you're talking about 40, 480 versus 24, doesn't the specifics don't matter that much, do they? Yeah, so just put that in context and his level of performance. And you can say, oh, well, look, he's got all these great players. Yeah, where do you think those bloody great players came from? You know, they either bought them super cheap or they've traded really well or he's he's brought through young players. I think he's done a phenomenal job. And he normally also... doing a phenomenal job gets you a promotion. And, and like, you know, the, the, the great players thing, they signed Musa Soko for £30 million, um, which is, like, more than their total net spend. Um and everyone would have, you know, there's not a more, I'll drive him to another club myself player than Musa Sissoko. And yet he's been absolutely vital to Tottenham this season right. because Pochettino would not give up on him. And, yeah. and, and you know, that side of Pochettino, I think, excites me and would mean that I would just about tolerate the concept of an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer-less Man United, although I'm not prepared to countenance that just yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in another way that's that's less offensive to your sensibilities. Yeah. If Valverde uh, goes at Barcelona or Solari, very likely to not stay at Real Madrid, and he's willing to move, he'll be manager of either of those sides. Yeah, although he wouldn't take the Barca job because of his Espanol thing. But I don't think the trophy thing is negligible. I think I think there is an issue around the fact... I, I think saying that they're only for ego is 
just wrong-headed and even not considering them to be you're right about the chairman thing but it's not an either or thing is it it's not either because once you're in the semi-final it's not like getting to the final is going to stop you being in the top four like I I get kind of that there is a there is a there's a missing piece of the puzzle there for me in that what's going on why do they lose every semi-final they're in like that's now is it just because they're always up against teams with a bigger wage budget sure but they beat them sometimes you know there's just there is I don't think it's nothing and I think what he said was wrong because actually I think this side would really benefit from the tangible experience of winning something and that I agree with that I agree with and I I think it would do um, but once they'd won it, they'd all be disappearing off to other clubs, maybe. <laughs> uh, and and for sure, if he said what he said at United, he'd be hammered, and rightly so. We'd be putting putting him in the same camp as David Moyes. Anyway, that was a very longer side. Yeah, so. but it's you know, Pochettino watches Watchettino, as the segment is called, is um, is probably kind of important given everything that's going on, isn't it? So that James Boy, now the Solskjaer Appreciation Society. Yeah. How great is the dedication that Mike and Ollie went to Leon to prep for PSG? I mean, what? that seems normal to me. That that everyone was like, "Oh, look, he's in." It was only four hours ago, and it's like, yeah, that's because that's about how long it takes yeah, to get took to a Leon. private plane from East Midlands Airport uh, out yeah. to Leon. Yeah, uh, I, I, yes, I, I'm not sure that this is some kind of measure of great dedication. Great to see them there. Mike Phelan's hat, though. Amazing, wow. absolutely amazing. A I like beanie. I, I have to say, I'm no fashionista, so I didn't even know they existed. <laughs> As a 41 year old man, I like a man dressing who refuses to accept his age when it comes to the ch- his choice of clothes because it makes me feel like I have more options. Yeah, Mika Latonen says, uh, now friend of the show, Mika Latonen. Now that Fred is never playing as Sanchez is a bit, <laughs> should we rewrite that line in Ollie's at the wheel? I genuinely think they should have the 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 kind of just nudge out Sanchez and put Lingard in there. We can leave Fred because we need the rhyme, but Lingard, Paul Pogba, and Fred. I think that's probably more accurate to what's actually good about us. Yeah, Tom Nielsen. Thoughts on Declan Rice as a Matic replacement? We did a whole bonus segment Aye. last week on potential players, and I, I missed a couple that I'd been thinking of. Okay, it was it was late and I was tired. Yeah, uh, so I missed out a couple of um, uh, fullbacks. I wanted to talk about Ben Chilwell at Leicester. We saw this weekend from awesome was he? He's definitely played better than that. And uh, Mendy at Lyon. Um, but Declan Rice is one that had completely bypassed me. But he's he's an excellent. Really excellent young player and can play, um, I'd say, in several positions, but it looks like his uh, his position is going to be defensive midfield. Uh, yeah, um, and I haven't seen a massive, massive amount of him, but what I have seen I've really liked. Um, and he's a young player, so he's allowed to make mistakes and he's allowed to have bad games and all that kind of malarkey. Um, but yeah, I uh, I do like I do like Declan Rice, and that's a, it's a really interesting shout. I wonder if it wouldn't cost an absolute fortune. Uh, well, he, he would, but uh, all good players. I mean, especially being... Everyone. I was going to say, especially being English. Uh, but, uh, of course, he's not. <laughs> well, we don't know Governor. yet. It's, it's, not, it's not confirmed one way or another, is it? Um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka 
uh, who was a player I mentioned in dispatches yeah. in terms of a fullback. Uh, Roy Hodgson saying after the Palace game at the weekend, he made a mistake in the 93rd minute and I'm glad because it proved he wasn't a robot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really like that. Although if it was good AI trying to musk as a human, it might be like, it is time to make a mistake so I look human. <laughs> Aaron Wambasaka is, and this is canon, rank cast canon, a robot. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, I shall uh, pay close attention, uh, given that you have recommended him. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a bit, obviously. but uh, And we're, we're playing Palace in a couple of weeks' time, so we'll get a good up-close look. Ryan yeah. Clark says, who did it better, Jose or Gerard?" Oh, this is good. You've seen this one. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, it looked like it hurt. I don't like that because it really did look like it hurt his hip. And he's not, you know, like, oh, he took a right old tumble, didn't he? Yeah, it does falling on ice hard, yeah. you know, because I do a lot of ice dancing. Yeah, no, I don't. But <laughs> I hate I hate going ice skating. It's that one weekend a year when everyone's like, yeah, the whole family's like, like, oh, let's go ice skating. I'm like, no. <laughs> do you just I, like hold on to the edge and stutter I, I mince around the, the edge for the hour, terrified. <laughs> well, you do get bad backs, Ed. You probably shouldn't go ice skating. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, yeah. um, it, that one really looked like it hurt. Uh, so I'm not, I didn't, I saw lots of people finding great humour in it. I have to say I didn't find tremendous humour in seeing a man of a certain age fall over. I, I found it quite funny. Yeah, of course, obviously. <laughs> uh, Luke Shaw's fault though, wasn't it? Maybe Paul Pogba's. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Uh, this, this podcast is descending into juvenile humour. Yeah, descending from the previous great height of no juvenile humour that is occupied for the last 10 years. Mark Ferguson says, bringing back Ollie has been a joy. What else would you bring back from the 1990s? <laughs> Roy Keane, um, Ryan Giggs, Beckham, yeah. Skulls. Uh, I don't know. I, I, the 90s are a bit vague for me. Um, Liam I'd, Gallagher, because I'm supporting City for the league. <laughs> <laughs> Hypercolor t-shirts, the world's worst invention. Here, allow us to provide you with a t-shirt which demonstrates exactly where you're sweating. Errol 22D, 22D, says, win, lose or draw, cannot wait for PSG at Old Trafford. When was the last Champions League game you felt genuinely as excited? Keep up the good words, chaps. Real Madrid 2013. When Nani got sent off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, 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 the Bayern game under Moyes was hard to get excited about. I mean, well, because we knew how to... it was going to end in the. I mean, it was it, it was it was bloody exciting for a moment when Paddy Ever lashed it into the top corner. Yeah, and the first leg, the first leg at Old Trafford, the atmosphere was absolutely extraordinary, and United's performance was decent, although they definitely rode their luck. And you know, it was not nice to see United parking the bus at home. There was the Welbeck chip into Manuel Neuer's hands. Um, but I, I I don't think I was super excited about that game because I just wanted the Moyes regime to be over. Um, Van Gaal, we didn't make it out the group stages. Uh, so, yeah, Madrid, definitely that Madrid game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it was gassing, wasn't it? And that was the one where, or the away leg, was the one where Fergie dropped Rooney for Danny Welbeck. Yeah, he did. Well, that was brilliant in that game. He was. Nil-nil away. And, That's uh, the De Gea kung fu kick save as well. 
That's and right. <laughs> that, that the photo of that save is absolutely amazing from directly behind the goal. Oh, missed opportunity. James Bonser, friend of the show, says, which of the upcoming games do you see Oli giving Dallow a run at right back considering Young has not been in great form? He could make the difference. Also, Oli has said the likes of Gomez, Chong and Greenwood would get a look in. Which games would you bring them in for? Yeah. Good question because they're going to get bigger and bigger, the games. There aren't going to be that many gimme games, are there? I said this on... We, we talked Follow them at the weekend? Yeah, we talked about this on the Leicester preview on Full Time Devils, and the same question was asked about where, where you know, because he talked about Ethan Laird, um, Mason Greenwood, and um, yeah, so where they where they get a game, it's not obvious. And and Fulham of the weekend would not be the worst time. You know, you could you could start Mason Greenwood in that game up front. I think that'd be really amazing, or give him certainly bring him on in the second half. Um, give Rashford a rest when we're five nil up at half time. Yeah, could happen. God, the uh, hubris in this podcast about the Fulham game—we're going to lose, aren't we? <laughs> and deservedly so. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'd look, I'd really like to see these uh, kids have a game. Not not least it signals, doesn't it, that if if Ollie is going to stay, that uh, youth is certainly going to be given a go. Because basically, Ollie's been playing with the same squad as Mourinho, just getting much better performances out of the same players. He's not suddenly changed all the players or anything like that in order to get nine wins out of ten, which kind of doesn't compute because everybody on Twitter told me it was all about the fact that United hadn't spent a gazillion pounds in the transfer market. Well, I mean, he's actually played slightly different players as well, hasn't he? And he certainly played players in different positions. Um, but Pogba wasn't playing. Herrera's hardly played this season before before um, he came in. Um, and Rashford and Martial are starting every game. That certainly wasn't happening. So there's been some difference in personnel. But yeah, yeah. you're right. Adam Salmon says, how much can we attribute this like drop-off in performance levels recently to a lack of fitness, the need to rotate, uh, corollary to Mourinho style, demanding so little running? Yeah, I'm in the point made earlier. I, I think there may be something in this. I don't know because I don't have the data from those uh, vest things they like to wear to see if, if uh, Ollie is making them run loads more. Um, and it's one of those weird stats that's really hard to get hold of. Um, uh, a number of yards run. Uh, but I suspect there's something in this. Uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely potentially could be something in this. Ben, underscore Taylor Ben, friend of the show, says, in response to your favourite player's names segment last week, which is your favourite bit of United-related commentary in recent history? How recent are we talking here? Because I, I think uh, <laughs> nearly 20 years ago this May, it's quite a good piece of commentary. We had two in the space of two weeks from Martin Tyler, his two, not sorry, Martin Tyler, Clive Stelsley, his two best pieces of uh, commentary ever happened within, in the same season, within within a couple of weeks of each other. Roy Keane with a captain's goal and um, and the end of 99. But let's talk actually recent, because I don't think you can call 20 years ago recent history. Uh, Martin Tyler for Martial's first. Still feels first. recent. Yeah, it does, but it isn't. Um, the, the 1999 season, that's what I'd bring back from the 90s. Um, uh, Martin Tyler for Anthony Martial's first goal has to be my single favourite moment of commentary in recent years, United-related. The You know, you know the one? Anthony Martial, oh, yes! 
<laughs> really, as he skins the whole um, skull, skins the whole of Liverpool's defence oh. and scores on his debut. God, he was uh, Martial after he signed a contract was talking about that in one of the interviews he did, uh, being you know still his favourite moment. Oh, God, brings the goosebumps out, doesn't it? That does it really mag- does absolutely magic. It really does. By the time they leave, says MJCXGC, uh, he'll have spent the longest time in the hotel, United at the W Hotel or Jose at the Lowry. I don't think we're <laughs> going to keep winning for two years. Sorry about this, but it's not going to happen. Just, um, uh, yeah, that's absolute. I couldn't agree more. Um, so just to let you know, Ed, you know you said we're not going to go for ages. You've been asking questions for like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and it's now 56 minutes into the show. All right, well, we will leave it there and we'll get on to Paris Saint-Germain. Tell me all that you know about Paris Saint-Germain. Um, Neymar's not going to play, is he? So it's going to be easy. Dead it easy. Is. It is. Uh, there were several questions about Neymar this week based on his recent Instagram post. You got any comments on that? No, I have no comments on that. And, and I think this is a subject that is too uncomfortable for comment. Listen, PSG, right? They are really, really good. I mean, I know they lost to Leon because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was in the crowd and they freaked out about Mike Phelan's hat. Um, but they don't lose very many games. and <laughs> It's just like none, basically. Yeah, exa- exactly. Um, and they score a million goals all the time and Kylian Mbappe is an absolute... I mean, he's just magic, Kylian Mbappe is. Um, he's 18 goals this season in the league. Um and in the Champions League, you know, the, Neymar is their top scorer in the Champions League. He's been man of the match in, I think, four of their four of the um, their six games in the Champions League. So, you know, they will definitely miss him. He's vitally important to them, and and so much goes through him. But you know, I guess De Maria will play in his place, won't he? And, and he's not a bad player, Angel De Maria. Yeah, I mean, uh, I yeah, Cavani down the middle and, and Mbappe and Di Maria to on either flank, uh, I would imagine. And uh, Mbappe getting the ball on the left and cutting inside, if that's where he's going to play, he's going to be really dangerous. He takes a lot of shots, Kylian Mbappe, and he scores a lot of goals as well. Uh, you know, huge, huge threat for United this one. I mean, obviously Cavani knows where the goal is, doesn't he? He's had a whole career of scoring a lot of goals. Uh, only ever really stopped when he was forced to play on the wing to accommodate Neymar's ego. Um, I imagine that won't be the case this time round. And and but it goes beyond that. You know, obviously Di Maria and Draxler, uh, and they've got quality in central midfield as well. So United may struggle to get the ball uh, at least away from home. We'll see. We'll see what it looks like at home. But the threat on the break from PSG will be huge as well. Obviously, they don't have to play on the break an awful lot. In uh, in French football, because they get about ninety nine percent of the uh, of possession in every single game, there or thereabouts, maybe slightly exaggerating, they take a huge amount of shots. I mean, two hundred fifty odd from open play. I, believe me, that's a lot of shots this season, given that they've only played twenty games or so. Um, uh, um, by my maths, that's a hundred a game. <laughs> yeah, like, near as damn it, just rounding yeah. up. Um, they uh, they score goals from corners as well. Uh, they're very good at getting penalties because they have a lot of players who are both divey and very good at running at players. Yeah, I mean, at least we've got rid of one of the diveys uh, in Neymar, but Di Maria and Mbappe are like a dive too. Uh, 
love a dive, I might say. Um, so that's going to be something to look out for. So, the, yeah, danger all over the pitch here. Yeah, I imagine they'll play a 4-3-3. It tends to be the formation they play. Um, and United will match up fairly well. I mean, I imagine we'll go with the diamond again in midfield because it's been working and uh, we can get a lot of bodies in midfield if necessary. Yeah, that, that that makes sense. I wonder you play kind of Lingard in that false nine role, I guess. I guess we might see the Marcel Rashford Lingard across the three in that way. I wonder whether there'll be any more specific changes than that. To kind yeah, of we'll see. Up. I mean, um, Paris played uh, three at the back against Lyon at the weekend, which is not how they normally do it. You know, with Bernat and Alves as sort of wing backs, um, I'm sure they'll just go with the two and uh, probably Marquinhos and Silva, but it might not be because that's not who they played at the weekend. We'll see. Unless uh, I've got my maths wrong, they've only lost two games in all competitions this season. Yeah. Um, one of those was Lyon just now, and the other one was the game that they lost to Liverpool in the Champions League um, when it required a, a 91st minute winner for Liverpool. Um, uh, to get that and and Paris were were just excellent for swathes of that game. Um, uh, especially at the, I remember the Mbappe goal being particularly impressive, but maybe that's my memory playing tricks on me. Um, so what Solskjaer has done in big games so far is look for weaknesses to exploit. Any idea on uh, what you would class as Paris Saint Germain's weaknesses that he could exploit? I mean. Not a lot of them. They they are string string string. They are strong everywhere. Mm. Um, they may be in central midfield. Maybe I mean they played Marquinhos in central midfield at Lyon and it didn't work for them. So you know they played a defender in central midfield and five at the back and Lyon still had three point four xg. Um, although from what I saw of the game, they didn't even play that well, Leon. But still, uh, they create a lot of chances. So yeah. maybe in central midfield is a weakness. Are they going to play Diaby there? Uh, are they going to play Paredes? Um, what What's the mix? How he's do they balance? Signing, is new signing any Paredes? Is he? Is yeah. he? I don't know where they signed him from. Is he? He's not Champions League banned or anything? Is he? Uh, I don't. Thing. So he's signing okay. from Russia somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there's Russian teams in the Champions League. Should, should have researched this. Don't know the answer off the top <laughs> no, of my head. Can't be bothered to stop the podcast, go search it, and Tom seamlessly edits it in to make us sound more intelligent. Well, that happens a lot, by the way, listeners, just in case no, you were wondering. <laughs> not allowed behind the podcast curtain. <laughs> I was just trying to intimate that we sound intelligent. Yeah, that's right as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I get look. So this kind of uh, this sort of three five two or five three two they played at the weekend with a weird mix of uh, Julian Draxler and Di Maria and Marquinhos. I, I don't think they'll play that again, but they may play one of Draxler or Di Maria in midfield. Mm. Maybe it's Draxler, mm. with Di Maria at front, um, and then maybe Diaby. We'll see. Exactly what the what the balance is, but maybe that's a weakness. Maybe United can exploit it. Um, it's going to take some high tempo football to bypass that midfield and get at that back four because the back four is good. I mean, if Marquinhos and Silva play alongside uh, Alves and Bernat, that's a fine, fine uh, back four. And uh, I don't know who's in goal. Ariola is at the weekend. I guess he's in goal. We'll see. I guess better teams than us have tried to exploit Dani Alves's tendency to want to attack um, unsuccessfully, but even Dani Alves must get old at some point. Um, so maybe there'll be a bit of space left in behind when he's gallivanting up the field um, that we can take advantage of as we did against Spurs. 
Um, uh, it's going to be fascinating, and I wonder whether it's going to be similar to that Real Madrid game. When I don't know if you remember our preview of that game, but I, I do remember not being particularly optimistic. I think definitely everyone was surprised by the level of intensity in United's performance and the sheer quality in United's performance and and just first to every ball and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And Solskjaer said quite a lot's been made of Ferguson, maybe a little bit too much has been made of Ferguson's involvement so far this season, but a bit of the spirit of Sir Alex wouldn't go amiss here, would it? We What we want to see is our players full of confidence and really believing in their own abilities to make a dent in this team and not to have any kind of inferiority complex going into this because, you know, Paul Pogba, Anthony Martial, uh, Marcus Rashford, these these players would definitely be at the level where PSG would be pleased to have them in their squad, if not their first team, you know. So sure. look, we've we've got we have got players that would get into their side. Um and, and as mentioned when Mourinho got the boot, they were looking forward to playing a Mourinho Manchester United because they would have got you know, known exactly what they were going to get. Yeah. Now they're going to get something extremely different. Yeah. They're going to, as you say, they are going to get a team that looks to exploit their weaknesses and attacks them. And maybe that will be United's weakness because uh, PSG certainly have the quality to pick United off on the break. Yeah, absolutely. If they um, ever have to play on the break, because they never do. <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting. I wonder if they thought, well, we can afford to lose this game, so we'll pretend that we might play with a back three um, because we know that Solskjaer and Phelan are here and we're scared of their excellent scouting. Hmm. I don't really Yes. Yes. Mike Phelan's magic hat. <laughs> Mike Phelan's magic. He's got a magic hat. They thought it was a beanie, but it was, in fact, a cap or something like that. Flat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. When I start rhyming, you know it's time for us to wrap up. Very good. Well, uh, we will see everyone next week after two awesome wins. What yeah, are your we're predictions? Gonna, we're going to record after the Paris Saint-Germain game because trying to get a podcast out between the Saturday and the Tuesday is not really viable. Um, so we'll, I don't mean, I mean, it'll probably be the Wednesday, I guess, that we record. It's probably not going to be on the, the Tuesday night. So it's going to be a little while till there's another rank cast. Um, I think we're going to smash Fulham. I think it's going to be... I think Fulham will score and it'll be like 3-1. And I think the PSG game... Now, actually predicting this is slightly terrifying. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win. Gives us a lot of hope, but actually is quite a a sticky situation to go back to Paris in. All right. Uh, I'm going to go for the return of 4-0 FC against Fulham. You keep going for that every week. I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah, I, I've okay. got to believe. Uh, and uh, one all draw with Paris. All right. Lovely. Um, merci pour écouter. <laughs> um, I don't know why you're saying Paris made me talk French. Um, we'll see you after the PSG game. Oh, it's a massive one. It's exciting. United are back. Yes.